Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Go to strengthguild.com, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-G-U-I-L-D.com. Scroll down to the Iron Radio Collections, and we've got new shirts and new banners for you to support the show. Everything from just a regular banner, regular shirt, to ones with sayings on them, like Lonnie's Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree shirt. And some news for you, we're going to have some contests for people who own these shirts and things. So if you support the show, we'll let you more on that later. So if you get in on these early, you can be one of the first people to win some prizes. So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a sports nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and I got to meet in two weeks. Hi, this is Dr. Mike Nelson, right of the Flex Diet Cert, associate professor at the Kerrigan Institute, and... It's been warmer in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, above freezing. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> so we got Nate Hade with us today. Nate, say something about yourself. Yeah, hey, guys. Um, my name is uh, Nate Hadd. I'm a, a Master Sergeant in the United States Army. And, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm currently on, on, on good old Army recruiting duty. So there happy to go. be here. All right. All right, everybody. We only have one little piece of news, and then uh, Phil is going to lead the interview with Nate today. This is... Spanking new stuff. I just thought you guys uh, might want to hear this. Strength and muscle sport news. It's not surprising, I guess. Maybe I'm spoiling it by saying that at the beginning. But <laughs> this is Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research by uh, Harrison and colleagues. This is March of this year. So this is, you know, now. Now. Um, yeah. Bone mineral density differences across female Olympic lifters, power lifters, and soccer players. Uh, it says the location, the intensity, and the direction of applied mechanical pressure, of course, play important roles in determining bone mineral density, and that can make more sports, uh, so certain sports more advantageous. They looked at 37 women, uh, 10 power lifters, eight Olympic lifters, eight soccer players, and then they compared them to 11 just recreationally active controls, I guess you would say. Um, Cross-sectional study, of course, so it's not like there's some intervention over time. They're just basically, like so much of what we're talking about lately, it's an observational study, you know, who's got the densest bones. Mm -hmm. All athletic groups had total bone mineral density greater than the recreationally active women. Uh, The Olympic lifters had the highest total bone mineral density compared to all other athletic groups. Olympic lifters had significantly greater bone density than the power lifters. I thought that was interesting. See that. Uh, but there was no difference in total bone mineral density between the power lifters and the soccer players. Now, that surprised me, uh, honestly. Yeah. Um, anyway, they go on just to sort of conclude Olympic style lifting includes both high impact and odd impact loading modalities that are associated with the highest bone mineral density at both the lumbar spine and the femoral neck. So, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It has to be the dynamic nature of the sport and the just the pounding. You know? mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're throwing weights around and the weights are landing on them. They're not just picking them right. up. Uh, so, and anybody knows, you know, you get weight moving and it lands on you. It's exponentially heavier than just picking it up. Oh, right. So, yeah. You know, and it's trying to toss you around and stuff. So, right. trying to put torque on your bones and. I, it might yeah. have, It was only several years ago. You'd think I would have learned this early on, but I think the data were sort of emerging about the rate of loading being a big deal, not just the heaviness. <laughs> yeah, right, but impulse the, loading. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, so I'm not surprised by the fact that the Olympic lifters are have the densest bones. I mm. was surprised that the uh, power lifters didn't have denser bones than the soccer players. Yeah, that is surprising. Uh, it maybe you know the explosive nature. I mean, you kick a soccer ball really hard. That's that's impact. Yeah, you know, and they're running like around. Know, so I would like to know where they tested that. It's got to be like a femur, 
Well, they did yeah. say, yeah, I lumbar spine and femoral neck, right? Yeah, lumbar spine and femoral okay. neck. Mm-hmm. I would expect the power lifters from like the belly button up are probably a lot more dense than a soccer player. Mm-hmm. They do a lot, you know, all the benching and rowing and crap they do. Yeah. So, whereas compared to the soccer players, don't use their body much. So, I imagine the soccer players are training too. Did they say anything about their training? Yeah, that's they true. Olympic lifts or uh, anything? Yeah, I just tried to summarize here. Yeah. Um, Let's see. They so did. it could be from their training, too. We don't know mm-hmm. if it was training or game or combination. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, it did say all athletic groups, they looked at total body as well. Um, yeah. But it would have, to Phil's point, I guess it would have been cool. Yeah. Let's just look at some kind of upper body measurement. I don't know, like uh, carpals of the wrist or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, something that might let the, the power lifters shine. I am not, from just looking at this paper, going to tell power lifters their bones aren't denser than soccer players. I don't buy that fully um i would but again you're right like what else is going on with their training and you know cross-sectional studies it's hard to control free living people yeah yeah so anyway you may get a different group of soccer players that may be different too or different group of power lifters so it's just Mm -hmm. the the one segment that they grab there to compare yeah yeah i mean keeping in mind yeah this is eight to ten women in a group basically so Anyway, I just thought that was cool, right? I mean, yeah, it, it kind of emphasizes to Phil's people, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe your Olympic lifters actually have denser bones. Maybe if uh, you have a woman who's interested in bone density, you're like, well, let's do some explosive stuff. Let's do some odd stuff um, yeah. and not just do like the three big lifts. But I don't I don't see you doing that anyway, necessarily. Um, as long as they get their game done, I don't care how thick their bones are. <laughs> as long as you can play your game well. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, at that point. But All right. Well, that's it. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to throw one thing out there. I'm going to publicly shame someone in my gym um, just because I can. Uh, I'm not going to say his real name. Let's call him Chad. Uh, so I made a new rule this week in my gym. We're all getting ready for a meet. And Chad went to squat. Is like figuring out his opener. And we figured that out. And then Chad figured out his bench opener. And his bench opener is 20 pounds more than his squat. Oh. So there's a new rule in the gym. If you go to a freaking meet and you outbench your squat, you are no longer to come, able to come to the gym until you go fix your squat. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> and I made him aware. I said, you got two weeks to fix this. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. So anybody that wants to join Strengthfield there, you got you to gotta know that. Like if you walk in and you're like benching more than you squat, you need to come back. Just go squat for a few months and come back. <laughs> so, anyways, just just a little uh, lightheartedness there before we get going. Nate, it's good to have you on the show. Thank you, Phil. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, for having me. Nate said he's uh, been listening to us from the start, oh, the beginning, from the very beginning with uh, Charles and uh, Fortress and now Mike. So it's uh, kind of almost surreal to be here. To be honest with you. <laughs> so let's get into you. Uh, what what got you started in like, what's your fitness background from an early age? Sure. Yeah. So I, um, I graduated from high school in uh, 2002. I'm from uh, just a rural rural town in Michigan, uh, Essexville, Michigan. And um, yeah, I graduated in 2002. Uh, I played football. I played baseball. Um, you know, I did a little bit of a um, little bit of bigger, faster, stronger, I guess, lifting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in high school and um, I didn't really, you know, kind of have a plan for what I was going to do after um, after high school. And actually, my senior year of high school, um, in my first hour class in uh, September of 2001, I actually watched the uh, the Twin Towers come down. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, you know, I kind of, um, you know, saw that event. And then, you know, I saw, you know, our uh, our military going to Afghanistan. And I, I kind of decided that, you know, I think um, I think the military is going to be a, a viable option for me. So I originally, um, I originally joined the Marine Corps first, and uh, right before I was getting ready to ship out, um, I was doing a little bit of training, and um, I tore my, my rotator cuff, so I had to have that surgically repaired. And uh, in doing that, I had to wait about a year, and um, I eventually joined the, the Army in uh, 2003. And, um, you know, that's really when, I guess, my fitness journey kind of started, because, you know, aside from just playing just football and baseball and just you know, doing, uh, you know, what the gym coach from 1975 had me do for football. I really didn't know a whole lot. 
Um, so that's kind of how I got uh, got started in, in fitness. And um, I initially went to basic training in 2003 in Fort Knox. And, um, you know, we you know we went down there. Basic training is nine weeks long. It was nine weeks long at the time. So, um, you know, we did a lot of fitness exercises, ge- gears, toward, gears toward the uh, the Army physical fitness test. So the uh, it's called the uh, APFT. So basically, um, it was a test of record since about 1980, and um, it all it is is a, it's a two mile run for time, uh, two minutes of continuous push ups, and two minutes of continuous sit ups. So, you know, a lot of the things that a soldier does in basic training, you know, it's uh, it's not really conducive to, uh, you know, to that type of training. So, you know, it was kind of a, kind of kind of a weird mix when I first started. Um, and then after that, I went to uh, my job school. I decided to be an armament repairman. So uh, my job was to fix anything from, uh, you know, M4 rifle to uh, M1 Abrams main gun. So I, you know, graduated from uh, my, my initial job school. And then my first assignment was in uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia in 2004. And um, there I kind of, you know, kind of understood, you know, what the really, what the Army's focus was, for, you know, for physical fitness in um, it was really gears towards, you know, passing that, you know, passing that common core APFP. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really a lot of, uh, you know, advice as, as far as nutrition and uh, what to do for warm-ups. I mean, I can remember many mornings where, um, you know, your your sergeant would call you in formation. You would do a left face and then you would immediately start on a five-mile run. So, you know, not not a whole lot, uh, not a whole lot there as far as, you know, really, really kind of learning. Um, about fitness. Um, and then I went on my first deployment to Iraq in, in 2005. And uh, that's really where, you know, from doing daily combat operations, I really learned, you know, some of the things that um, I needed to do on a daily basis just to, you know, be able to you know, literally survive in those those types of environments. And, um, you know, I found that, you know, doing doing some type of cardio, whether it's you know, running, uh, jogging, walking, rucking. Uh, for those of you that don't know, rucking is just, you know, you, you put on a backpack and uh, we call it a rucksack. You load it with weight and you just you just move out. And uh, that's, you know, that's your, your main means of, of transportation, um, you know, whenever you're, you're overseas if you're not in a vehicle. So I found that doing that and then, you know, just having a, a upper body day, a lower body day, and then uh, lots of calisthenics exercises generally put me in a pretty good a pretty good range to pass that army physical fitness test. Mm-hmm. So I uh, you know ended up um, doing that deployment in 2005. Um, it was a, a pretty pretty dangerous one. We were in southern Baghdad um, in 2005, and that's when they first really um, you know started to come out with the improvised explosive devices and. Um, the explosively formed projectiles that really, you know, hurt a lot of hurt a lot of people over there. And um, you know, I, I deployed back to Iraq. Um, my wife at the time, we ended up having our our first child, and um, I ended up doing another deployment for 15 months uh, to Baghdad. And um, during that during that deployment, I, I really realized that you know I don't I don't know if I want to make the army a career because uh, there's there's quite a few you know deployments involved and. Um, I'd say uh, it's pretty, it's pretty tough, you know, being on the family, deploying like that, and having a, a newborn. Um, <clears throat> you know, I wasn't really too sure if I wanted to stay in, and um, actually got chosen to go on recruiting duty. So when you're in the army, uh, whenever you you make sergeant, which is uh, which is E5, you you have to do what's called a broadening assignment. So the army will, uh, what we call it is you're voluntold. Mm-hmm. So you're voluntold to either be a, <laughs> a, a yeah. A drill sergeant, um, a recruiter, or uh, what we call an AIT platoon sergeant, which is a uh, basically like a, an instructor. Yeah. So um, I was chosen to be a recruiter. I came out in recruiting duty in um, 2000, 2009 in Michigan. was there for about three years. And then um, I was chosen to uh, recruit for Army Special Forces, so the Green Berets. I did that for uh, about a year. And then... Um, I was promoted. I recruited for um, Army Special Operations, Explosive Ordnance Disposal, and then ultimately um, the Tier One uh, Special Mission Units, which is kind of like the uh, the higher end of Special Operations. And I did that for a couple of years, and then um, I'm, I'm currently on my my last assignment here. I'm a Senior Master Trainer for the New England Recruiting Battalion. So I basically go out and uh, train you know train Army recruiters on how to how to be better recruiters and uh, part of that job is also training them on their on their fitness so that's kind of my uh, you know my story and uh, yeah 
<laughs> so uh, before we, we're going to use the second half of the show about the uh you know, mainly on the recruiting side and what you guys are looking for at various levels but so on your side w- equipment wise and stuff so you basically had nothing over there right or do you guys have some things to work with yeah when we when we first got over there phil uh we, we had to get pretty creative so yeah I worked on the uh, the M1 Abrams and the main gun rounds about 80 pounds. So there we used go. to do, yeah, we used to do cleans with that. Uh, <laughs> we'd, uh, we'd we'd rotate the, uh, the the turret on the Abrams. We'd do pull ups on that. Um, one thing we did have though was a TRX. I don't know okay. if uh, yeah. if that company just you know if they were feeling patriotic, but we had hundreds of those things. Oh. And um, we used that for quite a bit. And then towards the end of the deployment, you know, we, we ended up getting barbells and rubber weights and stuff. So we're able to do, you know, some type of, you know, a training over there. So how important do you think it is? I mean, oh, God, how do I even preface this here? Um, the the old Army fitness test compared to what you did i mean how much more strength do you think is required than just being able to do two minutes of sit-ups two minutes of push-ups i mean or do you no it's i mean it's um i think the the old army physical fitness test i mean it was i I think it what it was was it was a gauge to see if you were physically mature enough to go out on your own time and maintain that because it it takes a lot to maintain that two-mile run yeah. It takes a lot to maintain the two minutes of push-ups and sit-ups at the level. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, in a, in a combat situation, um, so just for example, when we were in, in Iraq in 2005 and uh, we were in Sadr City, I mean, a daily a daily load for a guy would be, um, you know, 70 pounds of, 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 of battle armor. We call it a, a flak jacket. Mm-hmm. You know, you if you were an M4, um, if you carry an M4, you'd have over 15 to, to 20 pounds of ammunition. Um, on top of that, if you were a medic, you'd have another 10. So, I mean, you're looking at, you know, close to 60, 70 pounds of gear, um, you know, that you have to, you know, get up, squat, um, you know, go from a kneeling position to a standing position, do, you know, do sprints, uh, you know, with that stuff on. So, I mean, you have to have a very, very good, um, I don't want to say core, uh, but I mean, you're, you, you've got to be strong on the on the main lift. So, yeah. um, guys, guys found out real quick. You know, you don't have much time over there. So, you know, if you went to a gym, you generally see guys doing deadlifts, squats, mill press, cleans. Um, you know, some Olympic lifting if you were into that stuff. And then, you know, that was really about it. Just because you just really didn't have a lot of time to, you know, to train over there because you're almost in a, a survival mode where, you know. You don't really have a diet. Everything gets thrown out the window. You know, you're trying to eat every single possible thing you can just to load up on, on calories because, you know, you're carrying 60, 70 pounds of gear in 120 degree weather. And, you know, you're just trying to, to, to make it back safe to your family. So, yeah. you know, it, um, yeah. So the training definitely, you definitely find out really, really quick what works for you. And you definitely find out real quick what fuels you efficiently. Um, would you say that, like you were talking about the drill sergeant in basic, he said a lot of times it was just wake up, about face, go. I mean, that to me, okay, from the physical fitness, like the athletic trainer part of me, if I, I'm dealing with a sports kid or something, well, probably not the best idea. No. But when I'm dealing with a bunch of military people, they're going to be sitting somewhere. Let's say they're on a base or whatnot, and all of a sudden a bomb goes off. And, okay, guys, we got to go. Mm-hmm. You know, there is There is no warm-up time. I mean, so, I mean, that's almost real life and just having you guys ready to go at any time. At sure. least two. <clears throat> of course, you probably won't be 100% level. You know, if we gave you guys, okay, guys, there's a bomb coming. We got 10 minutes to get warmed up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that, that, that would be great. But it's just not a real world situation. So, I mean, sure. I think, do you think a lot of that mindset comes from that? I mean, or just, you know, Gunny being a hard ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think you know the army and the military in general is really kind of steeped in tradition and i mean you kind of run into that pitfall where you know this is the way it was done when i came up so this yeah. is the way it'll be done you know when i go out mentality yeah um but i will say this i mean you know we you know since 2003 there definitely has been a major major shift in you know in the way that you know, the way that the Army designs their fitness program, the way that basic training is conducted. So, for example, you know, for for basic training today, if you were to have, you know, your son or daughter go down to basic training, I mean, it is it is completely different. 
Um, the Army just put out a, a new manual, a field manual, a field manual called Army Holistic Fitness. And, you know, they actually have um, a program, and it, it, it will tell you exactly, you know, what, what you're doing physically that day. They have, um, they have different days where they're, you know, they're doing, they're doing different kinds of mobility drills. Um, they're doing, um, you know, they're on, they're on foam rollers. They have a dietitian come in there and explain to them, you know, hey, you're going to be going to the field. Um, they give you like the field expedient version of nutrition. You're going to need X amount of calories to survive in this type of environment. You need this type of, you know, you should should be drinking, you know, X amount of, uh, you know, gallons of water in some in some circumstances. So there definitely has been a shift, Phil, to uh, you know to a different a different mindset of, you know, if we are going to put you in a position where you're going to have to engage somebody, we're going to make sure that you're physically. And, and mentally sound to you know to perform that mission. And on the back end of it too, I think what the army has found is you know, you know when you when you do those things when you when you do a left face and just run guys, you see a lot of stress fractures. Yeah. And you know, when believe it or not, when you first when you first join the army, if you're you know a, a kid and um, you know in Kansas and you walk into an army recruiting station, the only physical requirement that you have to meet is the army's height and weight requirements yeah there's no um you know there's no physical fitness test before you join so i mean you potentially could have a you know young man or woman who has you know never really never done anything physically in their life join and say hey i want to be an infantryman yeah. and you know you have to take that person from you know raw malleable kid who's never played a sport into um you know into a combat into a combat soldier in a very short amount of time so i think they they've realized that um, especially on the back end when guys get out and they do have those injuries. Um, so there definitely is a shift, Phil. Well, that segues perfectly into what my next question was going to be. How much of this change was was due to, like, the Army needing change or how much it was the population coming in has changed so much that they needed to change? Meaning, 30 years ago, I have to believe 30 years ago, the average person that just signed up for the military was in exponentially better physical shape than they are today. Less fat, yeah. Yeah, I mean, kids just sure. did more stuff. You know, you probably your your average person just signing up had to be markedly better shape. I mean, physical education in the schools was better. Kids were out playing and running all the time. They weren't just stuck to a device. Now, I mean, I have to believe that the average, you know, you, you got kids that have done nothing but play Call of Duty and that I want to be a soldier. And it's like, mm. dude, you can barely pick up your breakfast cereal. <laughs> you know? yeah. And you guys now have to put together a program to take somebody from from nothing to something. At least before they had some kind of base. A lot of them had played football and baseball and you know mm -hmm. been active their whole life. I mean, would you say that's a correct assessment? I mean, that's absolutely spot on. <laughs> the uh, I was looking at stats yesterday, and, and actually, you know, in one in four uh, people who actually who apply, you know, to the army. I mean, they uh -huh. they don't make it, and. You know, there's there's physical requirements. Another thing too, I mean, that I I will point out is the testing requirements too. In order to get into the army, you've got to take the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery, which is called the ASVAB. And I mean, there's there's no calculators on that test. It's all freehand. So you know, I've had you know different certain you know different instances where you know the the class valedictorian in high school, you know, comes in to take the test, and it's like, wow, this is you know this person's going to join. This will be good. And you get their ASVAB score, and um, you know they failed it because they've they've never done math without a, a calculator. So there's a lot of different things, um, but physically, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they do. We actually do have a program. So when someone when someone joins, once they're through um, all the administrative requirements, all the physical requirements, uh, whenever they choose a job in the army. So the one thing that's nice about the army is it's the only branch where you actually get to choose your job. So in some of the other branches, um, you know, let's say you want to be a, a, a medic, you can go into the medical field, but you can't necessarily pinpoint your job. So with the Army, what they've done is um, they've assigned a, a physical, um, I guess, requirement to each individual job. And what that does is, you know, it allows those kids who, like you said, you know, go from, you know, playing video games and, and, and they decide they want to be an infantryman. It gives them a baseline to test to see you know, if they're if they're able to go in that job, you know, right away. And it's called the, uh, the OPAT. And basically it's a uh, it's it's four events, standing long jump, a seated power throw, 
um, a strength deadlift and an interval aerobic run. And based on how you score, um, it will give you a rating. So for example, um, if you want to be an infantryman and you know, you take that test, you're going to have to score heavy, which is, um, for the long jump, it's 160 centimeter long jump for the power throw, which is a, it's a 10 pound ball. You got to throw it 450 centimeters. And uh, for the deadlift, you got to lift over 160 pounds. And then for the interval run, you got to do 43, 43 shuttles. So, you know, they are kind of, I think they are kind of getting to that, Phil, where it's, you know, hey, you know, you are coming off the street. You do want to do this. Let's at least just give you a baseline to see, you know, to see where you're at in the beginning, to see if you can physically qualify for this. And is this a, okay, let's say I get this job. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how often do I have to retest and pass? to keep said job. Yep, so when you first come in, you have to take the, uh, before you go to basic training, you have to take the OPAT, the uh, Occupational Physical Assessment Test, just to qualify for that job. And then, you know, once you go to basic training, once you get trained in a certain job, then you have to take, um, you have to take the Army Combat Fitness Test. So that is, uh, that's kind of like the OPAT on steroids. Um, it's got a couple different events, and the Army actually just changed their physical fitness test to this on 1 October 2020. And, um, you know, the different events um, that are in there is a – you've got the three-rep uh, max deadlift. you got a standing power throw, hand-release push-up, sprint drag carry, a leg tuck, and then a two-mile run. And it's a – um, all combat arms open, all combat jobs, all um, all service support jobs are open to both men and women. So it's it's a it's a gen, it's gender neutral for jobs. So it's also gender neutral for that physical fitness test. So just like the OPAT, when you're in the army, you must qualify every single year in your category to uh, to continue service in that job. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's up to you to like okay, keep your ass in shape. <laughs> oh, you're yeah. fired. You're off the team. So, absolutely no that's good that's good and it's gender neutral so basically if 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 a woman and me went for the same job we'd have to both hit the same standards absolutely yep so that's it makes sense to me um, okay let's uh let's take a break and then we're gonna go to the second half of the show kind of uh and talk about maybe the selection for the uh, special forces jobs and things like that what you're looking for and how further than the fitness thing goes perfect so Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. I don't do it because, I mean, look at me. Come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text uh, Keto ebook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it. Do it now. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. Over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Okay, listeners, after more than a decade of joining us on the podcast airwaves, you can now also become viewers on YouTube. This is not our usual simple backup of the audio show, but rather a growing body of video taste tests covering various foods of interest to nutrition enthusiasts, bodybuilders, and powerlifters. From within YouTube, simply search for Iron Radio Taste Test or Nutrition Radio Taste Test, In about 15 minutes, we cover taste and texture similar to other products, uh, usefulness to the co-hosts, and whether we would recommend the product to certain clients. You may even want to watch our podcast feed or Facebook group for which products are coming down the pike so you can taste test them with us. Join us for this new monthly project. fix of iron radio in addition to being a popular institute on itunes we are also on email 
Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, folks, we're back. It's Phil and Mike and Lonnie, and we've got Nate talking military uh, fitness and special forces. And just quickly before um, we get back into this discussion, don't forget we've got that haiku contest going on. You can do that through uh, the forums. It's theironforum.com. Or you could even just go to ironradio.org and send an email. But as of right now, there's only a handful of entries in writing a haiku, something to do with strength or size or, or what have you. Um, and they're going to walk away with the gifts unless somebody, somebody else wants <laughs> to get in on it. So you know how you, to write a haiku. It's uh, five, seven, five syllables, real straightforward, very short poetry kind of thing. Um, I just thought it would be fun. been thought of, thinking about that for years. So, um, again, do it through theironforum.com or ironradio.org. Send an email uh, and win some cool stuff. Sweet. All right. We're back. We're going to talk to Nate about what I want to get into now is like what what you're looking for on the recruiting side for basically somebody like some kid that wants to go into to further in their in their career, maybe move towards special forces or something like that. Physically, what are we looking for? Are are you as a recruiter like seeking people out? Like, hey kid, yes. I think you could do this. Yeah. <laughs> No, absolutely. So just, you know, just like we have recruiters that recruit young men and women off the street, we have um, recruiters in, ma- in every major army base. Um, they're called the, the SOAR, the Special Operations Recruiting Battalion, that recruit um, young men and women for, uh, for Army Special Operations. So Army, army Special Operations, um, it kind of gets a little bit confused with Special Forces. So before I think I get into it, it, it might be good to explain the differences. Yes. So, um, so. When most people think of special forces or special operations, they think of the Green, the Green Berets, which we do, you know, we do recruit for that. But there's two other uh, mission sets that we recruit for as well, too, and that's uh, psychological operations. So these are um, these are soldiers that, you know, that perform um, special operations that have to deal with, um, you know, getting, uh, you know, establishing relations with local populace. You know, just uh, distributing information from, uh, you know, from combat commanders down to the down to the uh, the civilian sector, trying to, you know, synchronize different efforts with uh, local populace. We also have civil affairs, which is another special operations unit that, um, you know, that goes into um, that goes into different areas in in in, um, in performance for an internal defense. They they work with local armies, local populace, and and kind of building up their their military and their infrastructure. And that allows us to, uh, you know, to kind of, um, you know, get the uh, the trust and credibility of the local populace we're working with. Mm-hmm. Another subset is the Army Rangers. So the difference is, you know, Rangers is, is kind of a, a complicated thing. Um, you can join the Army Rangers right off the street. You can also join them um, while you're in the Army. The Rangers are a, a specific uh, light infantry unit that performs direct action. So when you hear someone say... Um, you know, I've been to Ranger School, um, which is a three-month-long course, um, leadership course. Um, they're not necessarily uh, a Ranger in a Ranger battalion. So there's there's four Ranger battalions across the across the Army, and their their specialty is is, is direct action, which means um, you know to to quite literally you know close close with and capture and, and eliminate the enemy. So those are some of the so those are the, the the special operations of the army. We also have an aviation element called the 160th, which is a um, they're called the Night Stalkers. They they perform special operations, um, you know, aviation aviation tactics and and different things of that matter. So you know, when someone comes in and they say, you know, hey, I, I would like to to do something else. I'm really interested in, in doing special operations. The first thing we do is, you know, we talk to that young man or woman and we say, you know, hey, what what do you know? Because a lot of soldiers that are even in the army don't really know the differences between the two. Gotcha. So um, if that young man or woman wanted to join um, the special special forces, which is the Green Beret, mm-hmm. um, it's it's pretty easy. Um, when you first come in, the first thing you have to do is um, you have to volunteer. Special forces is an all all volunteer unit, and uh, we, so you sign a statement that says, you know, hey, I, I volunteer to go to training. 
and then once you're once you're done with that, you have to go get a, a physical by a, a doctor that will that will see if you're physically qualified to you know perform the missions of a special operations soldier, and they'll do a couple different things because um, you have to do high altitude, low opening parachute operations. They want to check your eyes. Um, they want to make sure um, you know that there's no no issues with your heart. You get an EKG performed. So you know they're 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 looking and they're they're saying you know hey we're going to invest you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in this soldier. We want to make sure that this guy is 100% physically you know able to perform this job. Yeah. And once they get that physical back, we give them um, we'll give them a physical fitness test. And the test that we give them is the same exact physical fitness test that every soldier takes um, yearly. Okay. So that's just to get in though. Okay. So once you're once you're in and you're you're set to go, um, you go out to special forces assessment and selection, which is uh, it's two it's three weeks with all the the processing and um, you know it's a it's a course that's designed to see if you have the propensity to be a special you know special forces soldier and um, special forces soldiers you know you see you know videos like I'm trying to think though you know Rambo and all these ones where you know, you have this one man army behind enemy lines and, <laughs> you know, that's the, it's the furthest thing from, uh, you know, from special forces. And a lot of guys, you know, think that, you know, they are, you know, they do a lot of direct action where they're assaulting people. And that's, mm -hmm. that's really not the job of army special forces. Um, if, you, if you go back to the 1960s and 70s, um, when John, John F. Kennedy and President Kennedy, you know, allowed the, the Green Berets to wear the Green Beret, that's really where it started. Um, a lot of their missions are, they're teachers. They train, you know. They train foreign armies. Um, they teach them basic weapons. They perform clandestine intelligence gathering. So they are making sure that you know when that young man or woman goes out to special force selection, that yes, obviously they have to be physically physically sound, but mentally, you know, mentally you have to be extremely extremely tough. A lot of times, a lot of the drills and a lot of things they do, you know, they will they won't give you a, a an, an end time. They want to test your metal psychologically. Um, and they'll just say, "Hey, you know, put on your rucksack and, and just head west. And we'll we'll tell you when you're when you're done. When you're done. And it's yeah. you know, 18 to, to 20 hours. You're kind of alone or unafraid. So, so they're gauging all that stuff. And once you um, once you finish that selection, you're either selected or you're not selected. And you know, they they let you know. And if you're allowed to you know to to join the special forces, they they put you through a rigorous. Um, you know, a rigorous pipeline, and you're either assigned as a weapons sergeant, you specialize in weapons, an engineer sergeant, you're obviously, you know, in, in engineering, or you're a medical sergeant or a communication sergeant. And the training's up to, you know, anywhere from a year to 18 months. And, you know, the, uh, especially the medical, the medical sergeant talking about, you know, holistic fitness. I mean, these guys are, you know, I mean, they're they're trained in everything: basic EMT certified, basic surgery, basic nutrition, basic dentistry, basic basic veterinary medicine. So you know, whenever and in some cases, you know, when these guys go out there, they're they're the the, the most you know the, the most highly trained medical person in that country yeah. in a lot of circumstances. <laughs> so you know, they're 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 making sure they're going to get their um they're going to get their money in. You know, whenever a special forces soldier graduates. Um, Generally, they have, you know, six to seven years already in the Army. And generally, a, a Special Forces soldier will, will retire in about 20 to 22 years. So you're really looking at about 10 years of, of you know, of, of, of team time, they call it. And one of the things that they have um, in, in the Special Forces regiments is they have a, it's called a human performance team. So they, you know, if you can imagine... Um, I don't know, uh, Lonnie and Mike, like a like a division one uh, training center. So they have these areas where, you know, you have a you'll have a, a licensed dietitian. You'll have a, um, a a trainer there. You'll also have, you know, high end. You'll have um, um, some places have like a chiropractor, a masseuse. I mean, it's it's just like a professional athlete. And, you know, they want to make sure that this guy, this girl, you know, that joins is you know, 100% taken care of. So when they get called to do those types of missions, they are 100% physically sound to go to go perform that mission. Love it. Well, yeah, and I mean, at, at this point, you have a lot of money invested in this asset, you know, if you will. So yeah, to keep it healthy, that's probably a good idea. Um, 
So what? What? So let's say, okay, I come to you and like I want to get in. Is there recommendations you give me, like in the preparation phase, to okay, if you want to get in, I suggest you do this, just so you're ready. Sure. Yeah. So the those human performance centers that they have, it's called uh, the Thor program. And um, after this, if anyone's you know interested, I can I can post the program. It's all you know open source and everything. I could post it on the Iron Radio. Uh, Facebook page, but you know, there's, uh, uh, I believe there's an eight week train up a 12 week and a 16 week. And, um, kind of just like we were saying in the beginning, I mean, it rotates from, um, you know, from, uh, from, from distance runs to rucking to just basic, you know, kettlebell movements. Um, I think there's squat and deadlift portion on there, but it's designed to, uh, take your selection date almost like you're going to peak for a, a meat fill and it, mm-hmm. it, it gets you all ready to go. So, you know, on the day of selection, you're 100% recovered, you're 100% training, and you're ready to do it. Because what a lot of guys do is, you know, they have that old mentality is, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna do a 30K rock the day before selection and, and crush this, <laughs> you know. And they, they can't walk out to selection the next day. Yeah. No, and I've got the 10-week one right here in front of me open um, that you sent me. And, yeah, like you said, it's a mix of, I don't know, there's an average of two to three days of pure strength training. Some and then mixing up rucks runs and non-impact things. Mm-hmm. My question is, from an outsider here, not in the military, has I would think things have changed in the last hundred years to where we are a much more mechanized army. Like, how important is like in my mind today? You can correct me if you're wrong, because you know. I mean, you've been deployed. Like, in my mind, if I have to do a 50K ruck, I'm in trouble. I'm yes. probably somewhere I don't want to be <laughs> in today's mechanized army. Whereas before, it was like, hey, guys, we need to attack them. They're 100 miles over there. Let's start walking. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, how important is distance running now, comparatively? I mean, it well, seems like today it would be a lot of sprint fast grab things go you know more towards how the test has has changed to and then if we need to go 10 miles we're jumping in the hummer (laughs) type of thing no no you're you're spot on phil i mean it's yeah it it is one of those things you don't you don't see a lot of guys you know specifically training for that you know for those long distance runs but you know it kind of goes back to you know that old mentality you know we have the new army combat fitness test and it, it is a great improvement um but at the end you know, I kind of kind of shake your head a little bit. There's a two mile run as well. You know, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the long distance. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. I mean, unless you're you know in 1994 and you're in Mogadishu doing the you know the Mogadishu mile. I don't know if you ever saw that scene in Black Hawk yeah. Down. Yeah, yeah. There's not a whole lot of you know four mile runs, five mile runs, yeah. uh, for sure. Um, but also too, you know, just. You know, everybody has their, you know, has their flavor too. So, you mean, you you know, when you're, when you're on an army base, you know, you have your daily physical fitness training in the, yeah. in the, in the morning and it's, and it's kind of vanilla, but then, you know, in the afternoon you have guys that, you know, they're, you know, they just can't shake the, the, the long distance running bug oh, and that's, course, you know, yeah. that's their thing. Um, but there's also the psychological part to it too, where, you know, um, not to get too personal, but I mean, I can, I can remember in 2005, um, you know, I, I, I lost a really good friend um, uh, overseas. And, you know, as soon as I got back to the base, the, the phones are shut off. You're not able to call anybody. So I went to two places. So I went to the chapel mm-hmm. to go see the chaplain. And then the very next place I went to was the gym. Yeah. And, you know, the reason why is because, I mean, I think Lonnie has said it a million times over the years. You know, 10 pounds today is 10 pounds tomorrow is 10 pounds tomorrow. It's nice to have that familiar feel. And with so many crazy things going on, it's nice sometimes just to put on some Slayer or Pantera and just space out for an hour and forget yeah. exactly where you are. Yeah. You know, so there's there's also that aspect as well, too. Well, yeah, and I can see I'm not even trying to say that running is just stupid and they shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like if I were to join the army right now, I would start running. Because if I did get in the shit and I needed to be able to run five miles, I want to know I can do it. You know, <laughs> you, know you want to have, like with anything, when you're training for something, okay, here's the baseline that I know I might need. I want more than that. Sure. You know, I don't want to be just the, the baseline. So, mm-hmm. no, I was just getting your input on that mm-hmm. as far as. So then, 
so we're looking at this Thor thing. What goes on? Like this, this thing potentially has me just physically ready, or do, do they step things up from there? Like, yeah, uh, are they gonna once I get in selection? Like, okay, now shit gets hard. We just got you baseline ready. Yeah, when uh, whenever you're whenever you make it through selection, I mean, and you're and you're done with selection. Part of the, um, you know, part of the in processing is you know going to that human performance center. And having that, you know, that coach, that trainer, that nutritionist, that dietitian, you know, taking a, a holistic look at, you know, all right, what are you, what are you doing? What are you training on? Um, and they do, I want to say, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's called, is it BFT? Or um, the, the diagnostic test where you, you know, where you, where you jump, you, you, you rotate your trunk a couple of different ways and then take measurements. Um, is that what it's called, Phil? I mean, they do have that there where they take these baseline measurements and then based on how you, um, you know, perform in these tests. So they'll they'll specifically tailor a program to your needs. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But I mean, let's say in selection school, like like, do they go through? So a lot of that is mental, but I mean, they're going through a lot of physical activities. Yes. Is yep. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And but but basically, this program here, we're not going through training. Like during that during the selection program, they're not going. Okay, we all go to the gym and hit this. It's more like this gets you ready to go through that. Correct. Correct. Okay. So yeah. this should have you. And I mean, honestly, looking at this thing, it's pretty legit, uh, in my opinion. I mean, it's a lot of you'll start off with front squat, lat pulldowns, and it mm-hmm. looks like it's in a. Uh, you're running these as like a uh, exercise pairs. So mm-hmm. you're, you'll do 15 front squats, 15 pulldowns. Rest a minute. 15 front squats, 15 pull downs, rest of it. And then we go to barbell split squats, barbell bent over rows, and med ball side twists. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we move on to deadlifts and things like that. I've seen, I've seen a lot worse. No, this looks like something that's, it looks like full body, a few days a week, just getting you ready. And then mix in a bunch of running and sprints and, and things like that. The thing that I can tell you right now, just looking at, I look at everything personally, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna need to. I'm gonna need a program to get ready to do this program as far as the running goes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm a 260 pound power lifter. Um, like I'd kill the. I mean, like it's like kettlebell deadlifts, three sets of 15. I was like, well, I hope you guys have some big fucking kettlebells because I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. need something a little heavier. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, and I think when you know, I think when you when you made me my program last, I mean, that was a question. I'm like, Phil. You know what what day should i run on and yeah. you know how should i program in there because that is you know that's the one thing i mean the, between you and i i mean i i, I do not enjoy running it's yeah. not a, a favorite thing in my but you know every six months we get tested on it so that's yeah, that's so a challenge to just to fit it yeah yep. um lonnie do you have any questions uh, uh, mike and then i'm going to go into these few questions from the forum just my only comment was that i think the the new version of the test as you're talking about is, is so much better and i oh. have a a female client who's preparing for it and when she started she was already you know pretty good she's like i want to destroy the test and get like the highest score possible so yeah so i think it's good that it's based on the objective of what is the job that you have to do and then let's map the requirements and go backwards from there yeah, yeah my definitely. my thought was similar and, and partly to what you guys were saying earlier is is it possible this sounds odd but to be too fit and we are talking about this before we uh, came back from break, everybody. But, like, is there a role for specialists in the field? Like, somebody, instead of the re- they can't shake the running bug, what if they can't shake the bodybuilding bug? You know, you're like, too much muscle mass, dude. That's just a detriment to you at this point. You know what I mean? Um, what are your thoughts on that, Nate? Yeah, I mean, you you know, you, you definitely see that. Um, you know, you see the uh, you see you see the gym rat that's you know that's that's into bodybuilding and. Um, it may be hit, you know, his, his first deployment and he gets over there. And I mean, I mean, the only thing I can say is just, you know, just seeing it by experience. I mean, you know, it's the, the crazy thing nowadays is you have to be with the way, with the way that, that war is fought, you know, in this day and age, I mean, you, you have got to be, you've got to be a physical Swiss army knife and mentally you've got to be a Swiss army knife. So a lot of those guys, you know, find out quick. You know, hey, I need, I need, I need to back off a little bit because you know I'm, I just put my gear on and I walk to the truck and I'm gassed already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, you have a little bit of evolution, you know, in the first couple of weeks. Um, you know, but but also too, there's the other thing too, Lonnie is, um, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're doing all types of things. I mean, some days you're a policeman, some days you're a, uh, you know, some days you're you're a soldier, some days you're a diplomat. 
Um, and, 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 you know, guys find out real quick physically what works and what doesn't work and, and different areas are, are different. But I think I, I think in general, you know, guys, guys find out real quick that, you know what, I think I'm going to lay off the uh, the incline flies for a little bit and just, you know, do do a couple push ups for time. You know, mm-hmm. well, that's a, I mean, again, just some self-reflection. Like I can tell you if I went in now, I'd be like, I'm an awful big target that can't get himself into a small space to hide. <laughs> you know? I would want to get smaller and get a little more mobile and like crouch behind that little thing right there. I can't, guys. I can't do it. He's going to shoot me. You know, I can't get that small. <laughs> you know? So well, I mean, just too. the ability to be mobile and agile and, you know, yeah, the strength components there. I want to be able to, like if my buddy gets hit, I want to be able to have the, the ability to get him and get him out of trouble. But at the same time, I want to be able to keep myself out of trouble. And part of that is just being physically able. <laughs> you know? Sure. I behind that little pole. I can't because I'm four times bigger than it. Pole. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like Tom Arnold on that movie with Schwarzenegger, we hide behind the sign, you know, that be... <laughs> so, um, yeah. So let's, let's get to some of these forum questions and see where they go. So, um, I know soldiers obviously have to keep fit. This is from Hormuz. Um, obviously have to keep physically fit and their training lives involve bodyweight exercises, but I've always wondered how iron enthusiasts try to keep their hobby, if at all possible, while serving. Do they know any meatheads in service and what kind of basic equipment do you have access to restrictions they deal with while trying to eat enough, et cetera? You kind of touched on this, but, uh, Mm -hmm. you got anything more to add to that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, I mean, I would say, <laughs> so I would say, uh, I would say that the army in general is, is a meathead paradise. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it, the, uh, you know, once, uh, once work gets off at, at 530, 6 o'clock or 1700, 1800, I mean, the gyms are always packed. And, you know, to answer that, that listener's question, um, you usually, I mean, usually there's about five or six gyms on, on a military base. And the way, you know, the way that they're kind of built is, uh, you know, usually two or three have, you know, like the 80s, 90s style, you know, uh, hammer strength. There's there's a little free weight section. Um, and I would say probably as of about 10 years ago, they started to get, I don't want to say CrossFit, but I would say more of like a functional, you know, functional fitness center where you have, um, you know, maybe seven or eight different squat racks, kettlebells up to, you know, 120 pounds, um, you know, prowlers, you know, things of that nature where guys are in there, you know, doing either powerlifting, Olympic lifting, or, you know, just doing a combination of both. So, yeah, they're definitely, you know, as far as what soldiers have access to in the garrison, I mean, you know, to each its own. And then, of course, you know, outside of military bases, um, you know, the civilian population caters to, you know, caters to the, the military a lot. I'm sure, Phil, you can probably say, I mean, around a lot of military bases, I mean, powerlifting is, is huge. There's a lot of lot of lot of big gyms around there, um, yeah. so yeah. So you, you have quite a bit of access to all that stuff. Um, okay, this is from Robert. How do they balance basic strength needs versus conditioning needs? Meaning, in the in like a special forces role, uh, is the focus still high reps running and volume, volume, volume? Or are they becoming more specific to the field demands as the new Army PT tries to address? Any conditioning done before going into Special Forces or trying to get into Special Forces? Tons of guys on the internet claim some connection to how they helped strength train Special Forces troops. Any way to know who is speaking? I guess that's a separate question. Mm-hmm. Any way to know who is speaking the truth or who is throwing out bullshit? Um, so let's hit the first one. Um, you kind of did that. I mean, in the... Within the special forces, this is something we didn't touch on. Do they then have a different, like there are different jobs within, like the Green Berets, correct? Like yes. the medical guy. Do they have then have a test above and beyond that original test? It's like, okay, you're going to be this guy. You need to be able to do this. No, so the only the only difference is still in um, in in Army special operations, they have a little bit different uh, fitness tests. It's a they they don't run a two mile they run a they run a three mile for time and then in training, they have a a rope climb a water survival uh, fitness test but that's just during the training portion once they you know once they get out to a team 
it all depends on what uh, on what cycle they're on, and you're usually in um, you're e- usually in a, a sustaining cycle where you know you maybe have an upcoming deployment in a year or two, or a training cycle where you know maybe you got two or three new guys to a team, so you're you're getting these guys to school. It all depends on what on what cycle you're in. So generally, you know, when guys come back from deployment. It's just like they, you know, finish up a a meet or something. I mean, you're going to have a month or two of just, all right, let's, you know, let's take some time off. Yeah. Go on leave. Um, let's get back in, do some mobility, you know, do some, do some, uh, you know, soft tissue work. And then, you know, then those human performance centers will, will sit down with each individual soldier and kind of map out, you know, what that individual soldier has. So the nice thing is there's not a cookie cutter approach to every single person. It really is tailored to the individual person. So, if you have a guy that's, you know, gearing up for the physical fitness test in, you know, two months and he doesn't deploy for a year, he or she may focus on that, you know, on that run a little bit more just because that's what they're going to be grading on, mm-hmm. be graded on. And then, you know, say seven, eight months down the road when they're getting ready for deployment, um, they may they may kind of ditch that run for more, you know, more, I, don't, I guess, more functional moves that would kind of mimic the rigors of combat. So it all really depends on on what cycle they're they're in. But. You know, to answer his question, I mean, each each individual special operations, special forces soldier has a has a person that, you know, that if they seek them out, they will give them not only training advice, but nutrition advice, too. Gotcha. And is, are these these centers are just for like spec ops and special forces, correct? correct? Like the average soldier. So that's a benefit you get. Basically, you get this. You have people there to help you with your specific needs as a you know, special forces or uh, an operator or whatever. So that's, yeah. that's kind of cool. That's yep. And they are, they are kind of, they are going towards that. They're, they're trying to get it. So the, you know, the, uh, the human performance, you know, ratio to special forces, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I mean, it's pretty low, but they are starting to get that for the general, the general population forces too. And I mean, each, um, you know, each, each brigade has a, you know, has a dietitian, has a, you know, medical personnel that if you seek them out, you know, you can, you can get a, you can have that that consultation with them, but I mean, it is it is kind of limited in, in the population to to trainer ratio is it, it's pretty. Yeah, you know, it's going to be thin comparatively. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, and then what about his second question? That's an interesting one. There there are tons of guys out there that claim to be training. Uh, <laughs> you know, I helped. Experts. I helped write the buds program back in. Sure. You know, blah blah blah. How do you know if somebody's speaking the truth or throwing out bullshit? Um. You know, to be honest with you, I mean, not even talking about about strength or training. I mean, generally, in general, in the military, the guys that that talk a lot about it more usually usually don't have a lot. And the <laughs> the, the, the special forces have have a nickname. They're they're called the quiet professionals. And yeah. you know, they that that's usually how they roll. It's you know, yeah, I made it through. You know, and I'm not. I I personally have never been through special forces training. I just recruited guys. So there's that that you know that caveat, but. That's just what I've seen is, uh, yeah. you know, a lot of guys on top of the mountain that are screaming, maybe, maybe really haven't done a whole lot. And the guys that are kind of <laughs> behind the scenes usually are the ones that you, you know, the snake eaters that you got to watch out for. And, you know what? I'm going to watch <laughs> that guy and see what he's doing. <laughs> well, and that's what, just from, again, I, my personal experience, like I had the pleasure of when I was living in Thailand for a year, I got to train with a group of uh, Navy SEALs. Oh wow! These were like twenty-year-old kids that looked like nothing. <laughs> you know, if hmm. I looked at them on the street, I'd be like, "You better not talk about my mom wrong. I'm gonna jack you." That kid would kill me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you get to training with them, and it was like they looked like nothing. But uh, and they'd come in the gym and just screw off and this and that. But then you see them doing their thing. It's like holy shit, you know. And like you said, they were quiet. They didn't talk about it. They weren't cocky. They weren't. You know, they were just average Joes, and it was like, but then it comes to brown to brass tacks, and okay, shit just got real. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Uh, so, but, and that's that kind of goes to heavily muscle side. I didn't see a lot of them that were just somebody would be like, dude, you're jacked. <laughs> you know? um, it's just not, it's just not conducive to the, you know, to the to the job to the operation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So. And you see those guys in the chow hall. Phil, and I mean, it's like, you know, six or seven, you know, pieces of pizza, right? I mean, whatever they can slam down because yeah. they know the next day they're burning four to 5,000 calories yeah. with all that gear and that right. heat. And, yeah. you know, they're just, they're just a mental, a mental strength that you just, you know, 
you just can't train for. It's just they yeah. just yep. So, all right, I think we'll call it there, man. It's been an hour, and that was a lot of good info. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank it. you. Yes, yeah, I think people will enjoy it. And hopefully, if anybody has follow-up questions for this or comments or anything, again, go to the forum, thearenforum.com. There's already a section kind of up talking about this, and uh, we can go into things further. So, Yeah, and Phil, if anybody um, if anybody's interested in getting more information on the Army, um, I'm, I'm, of course, up in New England, but I'd be more than happy to address it on the forum, and uh, I'll definitely post that program as well, too. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need. 